Do you want to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God? Do you want to be encouraged and strengthened to live it out boldly and effectively in your life? Welcome to the Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast, a podcast where women meet together to model and grow in Christ through the Word of God, as it says in Hebrews 10.25, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are so glad you are taking the time to be with us. So get ready. Now here's your co-hosts, Brooke Bartz and Aaron Coates, to talk, strengthen, build up, come alongside, and encourage you as women to live life verse by verse. Well, welcome back to the Open Hearts Podcast. I am Brooke Bartz. I'm so excited you are with us again this month. I'm with my co-host, Aaron Coates. And Aaron and I always love to get back together with you ladies. And, you know, the, the Open Hearts Podcast is only once a month, but, um, we treasure our time together. We treasure the time um, looking at the word, breaking down the scripture. And Aaron is busy with life and I'm busy with life. And so we want you to know that we love you guys, but we are committed to our family, the church. Aaron is busy with her women's ministry. And so this is our time once a month to catch up with each other and to catch up with you guys. So Aaron, tell me what's going on in your life. I know James has a new book. So what all is going on in life right now? Yeah, he does. Uh, I'm super excited about his book. I don't know if we're doing video too, but um, it is a book called God versus Government, and it's co-authored uh, actually with one of our former pastors and elders from Cornerstone at Grace Community Church, Nathan Buznitz. His mother actually discipled me in uh, seminary and seven wives. Uh, so the fact that James was able to write this book with Nathan and the foreword is done by Dr. MacArthur on just our story of what has happened in the last year. Um, how is the church to handle uh, the government infringing on the church's authority and Christ's authority and the spheres that he's placed in life? Um, so it really is just our story and Grace Community Church's story and how they fought the legal battle to keep their church open and um, how their constitution, your constitution stood firm and and allowed them to do it. So it's a really, I, I read it. It was super emotional for me to read, to have to relive everything. Um, but I really got some insights into my husband's heart that uh, was really special. Um, one of the things that I think is just really wonderful about the book is that he shares his struggle. Like so many people are like, oh, you're a hero and, and say all these things about him. But he actually shows um, courage doesn't necessarily come without fear and anxiety. You have to push through all of that. And so I thought it was just so amazing to see his heart and his struggle and, and what led into his, him standing and having the conviction that he did. So it's just a really good book. And so we've been busy uh, with that. And, uh, and then we also have the conference coming up, Brooke. So that has kept you busy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we do. And we have the Masters University Praise Band is leading worship this year. So we're super super pumped about that and um you know that in in god's kindness the the conference continues to grow it is no cost online we know that um ladies have told their friends so they have watch parties they do it as their women's ministry event um you can watch on agtv which by the way i want to say thank you to brandon kimber for allowing us to be part of the podcast and show the podcast on agtv he streams it there and also Dwayne atkinson of the Bar Network, because Aaron and I are part of the Bar Family, which is a group of Reformed and Biblical podcasters, and we all have different podcasts we put out, so we're thankful to be on there. We're thankful that um, 
we get to be with you ladies today. And um, so, yeah, so thank you to Brandon Kimber also for hosting the conference. He shows the conference on AGTV, so it will be on AGTV and it will be on YouTube, our YouTube channel, which is Open Hearts in a Closed World. So I hope all of you ladies are going to be watching. It's July 11th through the 15th. And there's details on our Instagram, Open Hearts in a Closed World. We have a Facebook group, Open Hearts in a Closed World. You can reach out to Erin um, about the conference or anything, women's ministry, James's book, anything at, at Aaron Coates 80 And my Instagram is JustBrookBarts. We also want to talk to you about what we've been discussing in 2 Timothy. If you have any questions, if you have any prayer, prayer requests, we're here for you. So that's why we come together once a month is to be able to share truth with you, encourage you in this day and age, especially like Aaron said, with the government overreach we're seeing into our churches and in so many other areas where the government is now just abusively intruding on our Christian faith and trying to trample the gospel. And so we want to stand firm in that. And we want to encourage you as wives, as moms, as women, as teen girls, to keep standing firm and holding to the truths of the gospel. And that's why Aaron said, I think we should do Second Timothy, which has been so eye-opening and so poignant in so many ways for me because, and, and I know for you guys, and I know even for Aaron, because it's taught us so much, even more how to, um, how to live for Christ in this time. So before we begin, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get started. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come together once again to sit and to read your word, to go over scriptures, to understand what your truth teaches us. God, we know your word is inerrant. We know that you are all authoritative. You are sovereign, that you providentially place Paul where you wanted him in that prison cell as he writes this epistle to Timothy. And we thank you for the truth. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the hope of Christ that we have. We thank you that he is the one who shed his blood so that we would have eternal life if we repent and place our faith in Christ. And so we want to stand boldly for the truth of the word. I pray you'd be with each of these women that are listening today, that are watching today, that you would strengthen them, that you would spur them on, that you would stir up their hearts as Paul did for Timothy and encourage them to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Lord, we want to glorify you in all we do. We pray you would be with us, you would strengthen us, that your word would go forth and that our hearts would be aligned to continue to teach in a way that glorifies you, that puts Christ at the center of the cross, that is truth, Lord. In all these things, we pray you would be with us, that you would strengthen us. In Christ's glorious name we pray, amen. So Aaron, we are on 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7, and I'm going to read it, and then I want you to kind of take us through a little bit of a background and kind of why we are at this verse where we are. So the verse reads, for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands, on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So what do you think about our verses? Uh, they're very short. <laughs> very short, but man, do they pack a huge punch. And Really, it's funny because these verses get used out of context so often. And in context, Paul is talking to Timothy about spiritual gifts that right. he was 
kindle afresh the gift that is within him and that he would serve, um, that he would not be fearful, but that he, he would do it with power and love and discipline or self-control. Um, so Paul had just said to Timothy, I am mindful of the sincere faith that is within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that is in you without as well. And so because Paul is saying, Timothy, I know this faith is already in you. You are already born of the Holy Spirit. And if you're born of the Holy Spirit, you have a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're going to need to use that. And because Timothy, he, he seems like the kind of guy who doesn't have a forceful attitude mm -hmm. um, or personality. And he probably was feeling a little bit timid, a little bit shy. I mean, just put yourself in his shoes. Paul is facing imminent death. This is not like his first imprisonment where he was sure that he was going to be let out. Um, he says that in Philippians, um, he knows that he is being poured out like a drink offering, and that is going to result in his death. Paul is a political prisoner, which means the, the atmosphere that Timothy was living in at that point um, was very politically uh, aggressive, that, that the persecution was coming not only from the Jewish leaders, uh, but was also coming from the Roman Empire and and. Paul is in prison because Nero hated Christians. And so here he is in this dark prison cell, a dungeon, um, and he's facing death. And so if you just put yourself in Timothy's shoes, there is such a battle and a war and darkness. And so what do you do in those moments? You, well, your human response, your fleshly response is to retreat. Um, right. and I've experienced that in my life where you're just so terrified by something you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm freezing here. Like, what, what do I do? Um, and so Paul is just calling Timothy to be faithful, be faithful with the mission that we gave you. We laid on our hands to commission you for ministry and you need to faithfully serve. So no matter what we're facing in this world. And man, are we seeing a fulfillment of 2 Timothy 3 right now, where in the last days, difficult times will come and men will be lovers of self. And you have that laundry list of 19 qualities of what men and women are going to look like in the church. They're going to hold to a form of godliness, but deny its power. And they're going to pray specifically on women. Um, and so Paul was calling Timothy back to his service, back to the gift that he had been entrusted with. And the, and the main thrust of that gift is preach the word, preach mm -hmm. the word in season and out of season. Let the word of God transform your life as a man of God in second Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17 there. And then be faithful to preach the word because the time is coming when, when they will want their ears tickled and they're going to turn, they're going to cause themselves to turn away from sound doctrine and cause themselves to turn to myths. And that's what we're seeing right now. And so we can't be afraid of that stuff. We, you know, you look at um, Twitter and uh, less on Instagram, but it's still there. Probably, probably more Twitter. That's why I'm not on Twitter. Um, and it is just a vile place, uh, which can cause you a lot of fear to, to say the truth and speak the truth because mm -hmm of the attacks that you're going to receive. And we just can't be afraid of that. And what needs to gird us is the same thing that girded Timothy as he was stepping into this role or, or continuing on the role. He already was in the role is going to be don't fear, but you're going to live in power and love and self-discipline. And so hopefully today's lesson can just encourage um, the women to continue on in the spiritual gift that God has given them. And don't be afraid don't let people put you to shame. Don't be afraid. Faithfully serve Christ's bride. Because even though everything looks so messy and so awful, um, Christ's bride is still the loveliest um, 
organism that there is. He died for her and he clothed her in his righteousness. And so there is a beauty um, that he has bestowed on her as she looks like Christ. So we can't be afraid. And so I think we're just going to be able to pull a lot out of these verses um, to be able to see how, how do you, how should you be conducting yourself in the local church where we can model ourselves after Timothy? Obviously he's a preacher of the word and we're not preachers of the word, uh, but we can still see um, what, what his gifting was and we can draw from that. So Paul is, you know, he's covered that, that clear conscience. You, um, I thank God who I'm served with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you night and day, like he loves Timothy is longing to see him. And so we covered all of that. And uh, now he's just going to launch into really, I, I think the majority of the rest of chapter one, uh, going into chapter two and how he's going to suffer or calling him to suffer as a good um, soldier of Christ Jesus, where he's just talking a lot about suffering and hardship and false teachers. And so we need to really pay attention to this book, I think, more than ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so, so helpful and so intensely instructing for us. Yes. Yes. And, you know, you look at the very first word for this reason, we know the reason that he is in prison. The reason is he has a godly legacy. He's held to the faith. He's run the race. And now he's trying to stir up this in young Timothy, because Timothy, like you said, would be scared. He would know that all the things that Paul has gone through, um, that he was, you know, maligned slandered he's been shipwrecked he's been stoned he's been starved he's he's gone through so much he's got the thorn which we know most likely is these men that have been just chastising him for the ministry of christ and so paul was a chosen instrument of god when he was on the road to damascus and he blinds him what does he do he says you're going to preach to the gentiles you're going to bear my name before the gentiles and the kings and the sons of israel and he says what for I will show you that you must suffer for my name's sake. And so Paul suffered and Paul knew he would suffer. Christ tells him, you're going to suffer for my name's sake. And so that's what I think we need to remember is he says, for this reason, he understands why he's suffering. Ultimately, he's suffering for Christ. Was he, um, did they lie to get him in there? Is he, is he in there for wrong motives? Did, are they accusing of things he didn't do? Yeah, he's preaching the gospel. That's what he's called to do. Are they, are they slandering his name? Are they you know, trying to, to hurt him, to hurt his ministry, to hurt the gospel? Absolutely, but he tells Timothy for this reason. So he knows his imprisonment and he knows now that it's imminent. And so I think we have to remember that Paul is an instrument just as we are called to be an instrument. And so is it your prayer, ladies, to be used as an instrument of Christ, even with suffering? Because that was the heartbeat of Paul as he's coming alongside Timothy and encouraging him. And we need to do this as believers, not only in the local body, but as a universal body of Christ, which Aaron mentioned Twitter, where we're seeing, you know, just the breeding ground for Christians to just attack each other and slander and malign and and there's so much sarcasm and and we need to be building up i mean i look at timothy and paul and this would never be their conversation with each other he's writing him a letter if he was in modern day i don't think he would tweet he'd probably call him or facetime or but he would long to see him if he couldn't get to him write him a letter but there would not be this this little interaction to where Paul and Timothy did not know each other's heart. They are constantly building each other up in Christ. And that's what we need to be doing 
even if we disagree, um, we can still do that in love and speak the truth in love. Um, Paul always is speaking the truth in love. He can speak some harsh truth, but it's truth, but it's in love for the love of the gospel because he's not ashamed and because he's a soldier of Christ. And that's what he wants for young Timothy. So um, we need to do it even more so for our children and our husband as, as Paul comes alongside Timothy to encourage him in the gospel. You know, that's what Aaron did with James. I mean, I can remember Aaron telling me even from prison, you know, she's talking to him and she's stirring him up and encouraging him to hold tight to the gospel. And that's what she was to her husband. And that's what Paul is to Timothy. And that is a, that is something that we should all strive for to love each other that way, to build each other up that way. When we become weak, um, when we are scared and suffering as um, James was in prison, Aaron was stirring him up. And so when I read that, I immediately thought of Aaron and how she walked through faithfully with her husband. I pray we all do that for in situations and trials that God puts us in. Will you stir up those that need you the most that are suffering? Will you be that bold voice for Christ? And so, um, you know, the verse, Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body and hell. That's what Paul did. He feared Christ. He did not fear this world and he did not fear the people that were holding him in chains in a prison. He is not afraid of death. He is an apostle by the will of God, according to the promise of life. And that life is eternal life. It's not a temporal life on this earth. He is saying, I, by eternal life is where Paul can do that. So he can suffer for the gospel because he knows eternity is waiting and that's where true life is. And so he tells Timothy to gird up his loins and not be afraid. And that's why, you know, the next verse is so crucial to our text because we know that persecution is laying around the corner. We know that prison is probably awaiting some people, even death. And so we want to remember that, um, that we're called to stir each other up. And so it says, kindle afresh the gift of God. So what do you think about that, Erin? I, I just love this phrase because um, we already know that the fire has been stoked in Timothy's heart because he's born again of the Holy Spirit. But this, this kindle afresh is, is like fan into flame, keep that fire burning. Um, and so obviously in the church, we can see from first Corinthians, there was already rampant immorality. Uh, false teachers are starting to take place there. There's defaction and all of this stuff is already happening in the church. And we can't let that life light, um, dim us that that right. darkness dim our light sorry uh we have to keep fanning into flame the the gift that god has given us and like i said before this passage just gets used um really out of context but it's it's in regards to spiritual gifts mm -hmm. and uh and how we have to keep that that fire alive um by by serving and living in power and love and self-control. So it's so important um, that we're stoking that fire in our life. And you can't do that without the local church. 
Right. You cannot fan into flame or kindle afresh the gift that is within you if you're not serving your local body, if you're not striving for holiness, because contrary to what the popular evangelical church wants us to believe, your spiritual gift is not about you. <laughs> um, and so that's where you see so many people getting tripped up, like for some reason, and I'm so excited about the documentary that's coming out with American gospel on the spirit. And uh, I don't know the extent of the stuff that they're going to talk about. I'm guessing they're going to talk about gifts of the spirit. Um, but how, how self-focused we are with our, our gifts and that I've actually seen people leave sound local churches because they're like, I feel like my gift is just not, not being appreciated here. And you, <laughs> well, your gift is not about you. <laughs> uh, you service it is it is founded in service and how we kindle afresh uh how we keep that flame of pure religion alive is that um we have to keep serving the body there is needs within the body and our our spiritual life is not about us this gift is not about us it is about building up the body of Christ to the glory of God so that his name is praised so that he is glorified and that his people are made holy. And uh, that's another thing that is really taking a huge hit in the church today is the pursuit of holiness. There is not a great deal of zeal for purity, for holiness. Um, and so that is inextricably linked to the gift that, that God has given to Timothy because you are given a gift so that Christ's bride is, is washed and cleansed and made pure, right? That is the whole reason why we are who we are, is to be a set-apart people. And that's why you've been given the gifts that you've been given. So that knowledge of God, uh, you, by the knowledge of God, you are transformed. Um, right. And so it's, it's hugely important for us to be a part of the local church, and, uh, and so I just love the imagery of the fire because, you know, if you're just the sole ember and we've talked about this before, um, if, if you're that spark flying from the fire, you are going to burn out. But if you are in the fire that is being stoked and you are faithfully serving, you are going to continue to grow. And the Holy spirit, it's his job to make that flame as high as he wants it to go. Um, right. and, uh, and that's how we cultivate it is that personal holiness and, and by serving one another and loving one another. So, yeah. And I, we need to remember that the, the gift was imparted by the Holy spirit. This is not something that, that Timothy dreamed up or that these men, you know, when we get to that part about laying on the hands, but, but the, the gifts are from the spirit and God gives us those gifts based on what he has allotted for us for our life, based on the grace that he's given us. And so we are to use those for the building up of the body. And it's interesting that this verse talks about the gifts and people take it so out of context because we're actually in the conference, our verse, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another. That verse is in regard to the spiritual gifts and how we are to live and love each other amongst the local body as the family of God. And so, you know, he breaks that down in Romans 12, three through eight, and then we get to nine and we see, wait a minute, let love be without hypocrisy. We're supposed to have a genuine love. And so that's what the gifts are supposed to do. They're to give us a genuine love for Christ. We're to use those to fulfill the body of Christ. We are not to use them for selfish means or gains because we all know 
that the body has many functions. We're not all arms and legs, you know, and so we are called to come together and build up the house of God in that way, because he is a cornerstone and we are all different building blocks, but we've all been different, been given different gifts. And so Timothy obviously is a pastor. He's a preacher. He's a teacher. And Paul is saying, now is the time that you need to fan up that gift of preaching the gospel and teaching the truth, because look what's happening. You know, look what's going on. They need the word of God. The church needs to hear from pastors who love Christ, love the word, love the truth. And I was just going to kind of give a caveat to that, that we're not seeing that in a lot of pastors today, are we? We're not seeing the truth taught or pastors, you know, um, we're not seeing that kind of faith and boldness. Um, the majority we're seeing are starting to shirk away. They're not speaking up against heresy, against government encroachment, against LGBTQ, the cultural strongholds and ideologies that are destroying those that claim to be the sheep. We need shepherds to protect us from the wolves. And those shepherds have to have a bold voice and they have to have the gift being stirred up. So I would encourage you to pray for your pastors that God would use the Holy Spirit to continue to stir up the gift he gave them. He divinely appointed them before time and has called these men, set them apart as pastors and, and preachers and teachers. And so we need to remember our pastors. We need to remember those in leadership and pray for the gifting that God's given them. And then that should immediately take the focus off of ourselves. We are not to use our gifts for our own self. They're for the, the glory of the, of, of the bride of Christ. And so we have got to remember that our gifts are not our own. And so, you know, when, when Paul is talking to Timothy, obviously he is, he is timid right now because of everything that has happened with Paul. And I'm sure he's just recalling everything in his mind. And if this is, this is bad for this guy, what's it going to be like for me? Because he's in prison. But of course, Paul being who Paul is knowing even that death is around the corner is screaming to him from the jail cell in love to stir up the gift. And so we can continue to stir each other up with the, the gift that God's given us. And remember, you have a spiritual gift and you need to serve in the body of Christ. And the Lord will, will give you the desires and it will be affirmed. People will see you. You will gravitate towards what you love and people will then affirm it or say, no, you know, we need to move in this direction. Your leadership, that's what the body of Christ is there for. That's what leadership is there for. And that's what leads us to our next verse, which is, which is in you through the laying on of my hand. So Aaron, what does that mean? Likely, uh, it, it wasn't like the, in Acts where it was a pouring out of the spirit and, and the spiritual gifts, but it was actually a commissioning, um, right. to ministry. And you can see that in, in first Timothy, I think it's four fourteen ish, um, where it's that commissioning, they've laid the hands on Timothy. He has been commissioned as a qualified elder. He is to go and, and, and choose elders from the city and, and build up the church and preach the word. And so, um, I think that just gets really dummied down because, mm. you know, of the charismatic Pentecostal movement, you know, if you don't have all of these showy kind of gifts, um, mm -hmm that people are really crushed by that. You mean like my spiritual gift could be like cleaning the toilets at the church. Can, can I tell you how important that job is for you to have gifts of service within the body? Imagine no one clean the toilets. 
with like 900 people moving through a church. Like I just think, and, and like people who so faithfully serve in the nursery. And, and so people are really confused as to what are spiritual gifts. And you said that, uh, how do you figure out your spiritual gifts serve right. needs of the church? There are needs. Um, and we don't have to make it so difficult. You don't have to do some quiz to figure out what your spiritual gifts are. You just need to grow in Christ and faithfully serve. And the Lord may make it clear to you. I mean, obviously if you're a teacher of the word, it's going to be clear, but some people never can put their finger on what is their actual spiritual gift. And I remember MacArthur speaking on the spiritual gifts and he's saying each person has a different gift. And within that gift, there's like a palette, a color palette where the Lord paints various colors all together. And, and that gift is specific to you. Um, but you might not ever have a name to it, but you are faithfully serving your local church. And we say that, you know, your spiritual gift is not for you. That's absolutely true. But when you are serving the body, there is so much joy in that, um, in, in serving faithfully. And so if you want to know about spiritual gifts, Brooke just talked about a passage in Romans 12, uh, and first Corinthians, uh, 12 through 14, James has done an excellent exposition on that. If you want, if you're confused about, um, the gifts of the spirit that are given to you when you are born again and regenerated of the Holy spirit, he gives you that gift. Uh, so he's done a great exposition through first Corinthians and that, in that section of scripture. Um, and I think it's funny because you talked about love being without hypocrisy. My passage for the conference that I chose was first Corinthians, uh, 13 and that, um, the patience and kindness of love. And so many people use that passage out of context too, but in context, that love is for spiritual gifts, is for service of the body. Um, and so when I chose that passage, I, I was actually like, uh oh, like, what did I do? Like, you're usually tested on what you're going to teach. And I'm just like, what did I just sign up for? <laughs> I'm going to have to love. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think we complicate it more than we really need to in regards to spiritual gifts. Timothy's gift was clear. He was elder qualified. He was a preacher and teacher of the word um, and that he was to keep on kindling afresh that. But this was a commission. Like we commissioned you by the laying on of hands by the Presbyterian first, in First Timothy, continue on in that. So he's pointing back to that moment where, where I, I think the, current word for that would be ordination. Um, but a commissioning him to ministry would be <laughs> the like 10 minute answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Important too, because, um, you know, the conference and since we, since we're teaching ladies, ladies are listening to this, right. Let's just make that clear. Yeah. Um, it's, it's important to, to think on those things with spiritual gifts, because we, we find ourselves in so many situations with women's ministry, and our hearts becoming jealous or bitter because this lady has this gift that I don't have. And, and what we need to remember is that you're not, you're coveting a gift that the spirit didn't give you. And that is the Holy spirit before time, God before time said, this is what I want you to do. And this is how you're going to serve. And if you don't serve, you're being selfish. If you're not using your gift. And if other people cannot help you and come alongside and stir your spiritual gift up, then they are being selfish and they are not looking out for the love of the brethren and the family of God in the body of Christ. And so we have to remember, like Aaron said, when our gift is not for us, it's also not when we see someone else's gift that 
we're to harbor that and want that from them and not allow them to use it as well. Like that gift, we should be coming along our sister and saying every single person that is in this church has something of the Lord to offer this church. And we should be building them up to use that. Why would we want to hoard that or be jealous of that or angry of that? Especially when we know there are some things we just can't do. We just don't want to admit them. You know, God has made us and designed us a special way. Some of us are weaker in some areas. Some of us are stronger in some areas, but we can all serve. We can all love the body. We can all stir each other up to good deeds. We can all fan the flame. We can all build each other up. We can all come alongside when we're weak and hurting. We can correct. We can love. We can do these things because we love Christ and he's made us spride. And so when we do not fulfill our role and our function in the church, we hurt the whole local body, obviously, and we don't function the way that we would in being able to lead others to Christ. We can't fulfill the Great Commission if we're all just hands walking around like we have many many functions a church does and so we need to remember that our gift is not ours and it's selfish when we try to to keep it to ourselves and it's selfish when other people do not recognize and do not encourage you i i should be nothing but excited and praying for and love that my sister aaron is as gifted as god has made her and that should strengthen me to want to know christ more and press on more and love him more faithfully to see the work that he's going to do and the good works that I'm going to walk in because they're all different. We're not going to all walk in the same works. We know they're all good, but we know we're all being day by day transformed to the image of Christ. And so that's going to look different for every person when they use their gifts. So we have got to remember to build each other up. And of course, Paul can do that when he's about to be killed. He's telling someone else, hey, use your gift. If that's not convicting, I don't know what is. If Paul is about to lose his life and he can say, hey, Timothy, can you stir up that gift that God gave you and then use that? I hope that if I'm ever in a situation where things are not going well for me or I'm in a huge trial, that if someone reaches out to me, my heart is still to love them and encourage them in their, in their gifts and in their walk with the Lord. And Paul just does such a great job of just hitting us in the heart, reminding us that our gifts are not for ourselves, but they're for the body of Christ. And so that's important. And then what does he say that because we don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. So for God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. So that verse is used out of context, obviously. We're not <laughs> giving us a spirit of fear. And I will tell you, when I was a brand new baby believer, I mean, I was, there were all sorts of things that I'm like, God did not give me a spirit of fear. God did not give me a spirit of fear. I mean, you hear it all the time, but what is it actually, what does it actually mean? What does the Lord want us to take from this verse? What's the truth in context? Yeah. And I mean, not that the application isn't there, that God did not give us a spirit of fear. Right. Um, but, but again, specifically in regards to spiritual gifts, because when, when the heat is on and the police are at your church and they're arresting your leadership, what is your response? Fear. I don't want to go to church today and serve the people because I don't want to get arrested or I don't want to say the truth to somebody because I'm afraid that my government is watching me and they're going to, you know, possibly imprison me now, like what Canada is facing, um, 
And so like you, you, it's cowardice is, is what the word means in the Greek. It, it's, it's timidity, it's fear, it's cowardice. Um, and that we don't, we, we just cannot have that spirit in us because we know who the sovereign King of the universe is. And if we are to die, um, we are to die on his timetable. I think it's MacArthur. It could be MacArthur Lawson that says like, you are immortal until the time that God has chosen for you to die. So like, you can't die before that. Um, right. but yeah, we, we cannot be fearful and, and really why we're fear, fearful. And this is what Paul is getting at the heart of it. And that's why he says love power and self-control is because fear is me focused. Right. I'm not going to serve you because I'm afraid of A, B, and C. I'm afraid right. I have the fear of man, or I don't want to get hurt, or I don't want to lose my reputation. Um, I don't want you to lack love towards me. I don't want you to hate me. Um, so that kind of fear, we're not talking about the fear of God. That's very different. It's the fear of God right. that will crush this fear. Um, but it's it, that, that fear that he's talking about is a cowardice because you are afraid that something is going to be taken away from you and that you have to evaluate your heart and ask, what do you love? You know, are you afraid your comfort's going to be taken away? Are you afraid your reputation is going to be taken away? Are you afraid people are going to make fun of you, hurt you, harm you, whatever, whatever you face on this earth is nothing compared to what Christ faced. He faced all of that for us. So we don't have to be afraid. And then we just have to remember that everything that's brought into our life um, is by the sovereign hand of God. We need this. And uh, there's this awful theology that is going around the internet today that um, mostly by women <laughs> uh, saying that God doesn't want you to suffer. And I'm like, well, the Holy Spirit through Paul tells me through the book of second Timothy that I am to suffer. He says it multiple times. <laughs> suffer with me as a good soldier where he's going to say it in the next verse, join me in suffering for the gospel. Um, and so we, we cannot be afraid with a fear that causes us to back off. We can't retreat. We have to keep speaking, even when there are very few people listening. Um, and we need to keep studying the word of God, even when we're weary and we're tired and, uh, and it feels like it's yielding very little fruit. And we have to just fill the needs of those around us because love mandates that of us. And, uh, and so that that's really what Paul is touching on with that word of fear. Um, you don't be afraid, fear God, not man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we think about, um, when we use our spiritual gifts, you know, we all have gifts from the Holy spirit. We know that, um, but we all also have the Holy spirit. So we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We have the fruit of the spirit. We're to exercise those in our life. We're to stand up for the truth. We're to be ambassadors in chains for the gospel. We're to speak truth. And so when our children see us at church, we are to be a living example of the hope of Christ as they are watching us serving. That's another reason you're being watched by your children. Are you serving faithfully in the church or are you sitting at home and not going to church on Sunday or, you know, ducking out fast after service is over to not meet people and love them and serve them? You know, our children are watching. We want to be living examples to them of the spirit working in us. And, and the more that we serve, the more that we love the body of Christ the more that we are protective of the body and the more that we are able to fan the flame of other people. And I was just thinking about what they went through as a local body 
when all the persecutions hit, when they're being, you know, Nero is, you're, they're being sewn in goat skins. And I mean, we've got this example. It says they were stoned, they were sawn in, sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented. So suffering, obviously. People of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts on mountains and sheltering in caves and holes in the ground. They are still there and the flame is still being lit. And that's what we need to do in our modern day because we haven't seen anything truthfully like what the past saints have seen. And is it coming? I absolutely believe it's coming because the end time tells us that it's going to become more and more immoral and more and more darkened every day. And we see that even with the bill that just passed with AB 2223 in California, um, you know, where it's legal to with infant side after 28 days um, with a baby. And that only gets the ball rolling. It won't stop. It's, it's a snowball effect. And so other states, other governments will start picking up on, I want to, you know, we can now do this. And so it's only a start. It's just a taste. And my husband was talking to me last night and he said, you know, there's something about not seeing wickedness in that when a baby is in the womb, there was still this mindset of people that this is immoral, this is wrong, but to see a baby outside of the womb and murder that child, that is a whole nother level of depravity. I mean, we are just, I mean, we are just going further and further and further to reprobate minds. And so um, we have to remember that as we use our gifts, we will not be fearful. We will stand for the truth. And just like our pastors need to know this, we need you men to have a spirit, not of fear, right? And so that's what Paul is saying to Timothy, like, don't be afraid of what's coming. Like James, don't be afraid. And we need more men to stand up for the truth. And so, yeah, it's such an encouragement to know that he's saying your gift is preaching and teaching and do not be afraid to use it. But we can also know that God wants us to use our gifts and to serve the body and to not be afraid to serve in that way to honor Christ. And that's going to look differently as the end times keep coming. Um, we're going to see that we're going to see that more and more with the local body. And we're going to see how people faithfully serve and love each other in that time. And then we're going to see those that fall away and abandon the faith. And so I want to be that living example for Clara. Like I want to, her to see that I love the local body and that the gifts that God's given me are for the local body. And that's what you want. That's your heart. That's why you serve your women so faithfully and so tirelessly. So it's good to know that ladies, you have gifts and Aaron and I are charging you and encouraging you to serve in the local body and use your gifts and be a part of the church, the, the family of God, your local family of God, find a solid church and plug in and use your gifts and serve God. So we're not supposed to do it with fear. So we're supposed to do it with power. So what is that? Yeah. Uh, well, first in just growing in, in boldness so that you're not fearful ways that you can do that is like, love Christ, be consumed with Christ, be consumed yes. with his word, because you are not going to form biblical convictions in which your heart and your mind are rooted in for you to say, here I stand, I can do no other 
if that is not spirit wrought by the word of God. And so your boldness will come from biblically formed convictions in which you say, this is God's word. And I I've seen that my savior has died and risen again for me. And I cannot displease him. Um, now we're all going to fail at that. And there is mercy and there is grace when we do and right. we struggle in our heart. But the more that you're informed by the word of God, uh, the spirit moves and works. Um, and stop caring about what people think about you. There's this whole movement. <laughs> James has been preaching on it lately. And uh, I really hope you get some blog posts out about this. But the majority of reason why we compromise with the world is because this, this phrase, I'm worried about my testimony. Hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm worried about what the world is going to think. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about what the world thinks. They hate you. They hate Christ. <laughs> They hate you and your testimony is the one that they hate the most, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they hated him, they're going to hate you. Your job is to be faithful. That is your testimony. Your testimony is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the spirit's job to work in the hearts of people who are watching of whether it's going to harden them further or whether it's going to soften them. Uh, when you proclaim the gospel to them. So we can't care about what people think. Listen to people when they want to address a heart issue in you. Evaluate that. Lord, is this true? But don't worry about what people think. They already hate you. Um, So those are just things that have really helped me. And like, I I am so convinced by God's word that it's true (laughs) Um, that I can't do any other because for me to not stand upon the word of God would be for me to capitulate and, and to dishonor him. And he died for that. So, and I hope that I can only grow in that. Um, I don't want to be so prideful as to say, like, I, I, I got this, I can handle anything that's coming at me. Um, I approach my life with fear and trembling and my, my earnest prayer is like, Lord, don't let me fail. Let me have Paul's testimony by the end of my life that, um, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. There is a crown of righteousness that is laid up for me. Um, so I don't want to be, I don't want to sound prideful in that. Like I've got this, I can stand. Um, but I need the ongoing work of the spirit and dependence upon him through my knowledge of the word of God. But if you're not reading God's word and you're not sitting under sound preaching, those convictions aren't going to form. And when you hear something else that sounds good, um, you're going to end up following that direction. And so that that's just a way that you can um, cultivate a little bit more boldness in you, but with that gentle and quiet spirit. Um, and I, even just going back to our, our giftedness as women, so much of our giftedness is just fulfill the Titus two ministry. You know, older women teach the younger women, women faithfully serve your family, faithfully serve your church. And so much of our giftedness is, is already encompassed in that. Um, but you asked about power. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's wonderful. I, that's so needed. So needed to hear that. So that's good. Keep going. So power. Yeah. So we have the three resources that, uh, and uh, the first of them is power. And this is actually power. This word power here is translated in other passages of scripture miracles. So this is a supernatural power that has been given to us to live the Christian life and to glorify Christ. Um, and if you look at, I think it's, uh, Ephesians, um, Ephesians one, and, uh, and how it talks about how the, the greatness of, let me just read it. 
yeah, it's amazing to see the power of God. So uh, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. This is the power that is allotted to us. We have the spirit of Christ. If you are born again, you have the spirit of Christ dwelling in you, and uh, most often, you see the, the tangible power of God on display in your life through trial, through difficulty, um, where you, you have this power to accomplish things you couldn't have done in your normal strength. I mean, how many times have I woken up even just with my weakness and had to pray and ask the Lord for his grace to get me through the day? And you're so dependent upon his grace and his power. It's so evident that that power is working in you. Um, but this is a supernatural power. This is not human might, not something that we sum up. This is a power of the spirit that is given to us. And uh, I think so often we just fail to ask him to make that power evident in us, to put off sin, to be renewed in the spirit of our mind and to put on righteousness and to faithfully serve. So yeah. And it's, it's, you said works, you said works and miracles, signs and wonders. Interesting. You say that because I'm so thankful that we're like-minded and we're always on the same page because of the verse Romans 15, 18 through 21, which says, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed in the power of signs and wonders and the power of the spirit. So that from Jerusalem and roundabout, as far as Look, I've fully preached the gospel of Christ, and thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. So Paul is just constantly known for giving glory to Christ by living in the power of the Spirit. Like, that's who he is, and he knows that nothing is done in himself, and he constantly relies on the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. And so, yes, it's a supernatural power that we have. And it's a supernatural power that allowed Paul to, to do what he did to endure what he did in trials and sufferings. Like Aaron said, like, I don't know many people who could make it from a shipwreck and then be stoned and then be, I mean, he continued time after time to be put in prison, to be run out of town, to be beaten and these things. And he continues to say, I can do this, but in the power of the spirit. And he, he constantly goes back to reminding us that it's not anything that we do it's in the power of the spirit and that's why we don't have a spirit of fear right but of power and so that should encourage us all especially in this time that we can look back at these saints and see everything that they walked through and know that they didn't endure those things in their own physical strength it was the lord walking through them in the power of his might through the spirit and so then we get to love is that what it says and yeah. it sounds and love and discipline. So what do, what do you have for love? Yeah, even going back to what you just said, uh, actually Paul boasts in his weakness so that the power of God is put in display. I would, I would rather boast in my weakness. Um, my, my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect through weakness. And yeah. so those of us who are incredibly weak, <laughs> um, like 
that that anything that you see in me that is a giftedness in speaking or an ability to comprehend anything is not it's it's the spirit's work in me um not many wise not many noble the base things of the world the despise the things uh, that the world hated God saved so that he could put his power on display. And then we know that power in sanctification. So I want to be like Paul and boast in my weakness, um, right. because I don't have a ton of, of strength, uh, whether that's like mental strength or, um, physical strength. I, I just don't have that. So we, the weaker you are, the greater God's power displayed mm -hmm. in your life and his, and his glory. Uh, so to move on to the next one, love, this is an agape love. So this is the love that Christ, that God in Christ has for you. And this is a kind of love that has other people's interests at heart, that, that you are so sacrificially serving them that how you are loving them is bettering them for, for the gospel mm -hmm. and is, is causing them to, to be built up. And so love today is so superficial, um, is very, uh, there's a limit to people's love that that has been really sad for me to watch. Like I, people have been hurt by the local church and are just unwilling to go back to church, um, to love people because they've been harmed. And, and I don't want to ever discredit things that have happened to people and legitimate hurts and all of that, but there seems to be a real limit to people's love and we can take a lesser uh we can just take conflict within the church and people will leave local churches because of conflict and you're going but love never fails uh mm -hmm. this is a love that i am going to die to myself in order to serve you i'm going to move myself out of the way and and it's funny um stepping into ministry they trained me so well at tmsm wives that i left there <laughs> going the only expectation I have for ministry is like, I'm going to get burned by the church. <laughs> like, like they, they say, you know what, girl, when you get off that airplane, they're going to be so happy to see you. And the same people who were so happy to see you get off that airplane will be the same ones putting you back on the airplane to leave. And so like, these were the stories that I heard uh, at TMSM Wives as they trained me, like the only thing you can really expect from the local church is they're going to hurt you. And, and so when you walk in with that mentality, then that helps you. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to love people, um, regardless of if they hurt me, um, because this is not about me. This is about the Lord. And that is not to discredit like bigger things, crimes that happen in the church that that's a whole different, um, ball game. Right. Um, but, but just that I'm seeing so many people's love that has a limit to it. And I'm going to actually talk about this in my session at, at the conference and how God's love towards us doesn't have this limit. So in order for me to faithfully serve with my spiritual gifts, I have to assume that I, I, I'm going to offend people and they're going to offend me. Um, but love will cover that. And, and we can actually work anything out when we have love at the basis of that. And so Timothy really needed to have that, especially in the local church with the false teachers running rampant and men who are lovers of self, like he was going to need to love like Christ and lay his life down for the very people who wound you and being in ministry. Um, you, you are a target. 
And, and you have to be willing to be that target so that Christ is glorified and so that people can grow and so that you can grow. I never walked, I, I don't have unconditional love for people. I constantly need to be tested in that and I need to grow in unconditional love for people. Um, and so this is the kind of love that, that Paul is telling Timothy, he, you need to have this kind of love to carry out, to, to let go of fear because you don't have to worry about, you don't have to fear people hurting you. They're gonna hurt you but love's going to cast out that fear. You don't have to fear um, whatever is coming your way. Love is going to deal with it because it just, it never fails. Yes. And um, I wanted to pull a verse from second Timothy. And as Aaron was talking, I was thinking, you know, it's going to be four years till Aaron and I finish Timothy. So you guys need to buckle in because we're only on second Timothy one, six and seven. But the verse that I'm pulling it out is second Timothy three ten because he says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions. And he says, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's what the verse is that we're going to maybe get to three years down the line, but it's second Timothy three ten. but he's saying carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life and purpose, faith, long suffering love. And so we have to remember that that love is going to be long suffering. And it's the love that Christ had on the cross, you know, that, that he was, he gave his life for. And that is the kind of agape love, that selfless sacrificial love that Christ wants us to emulate through the body of Christ when we serve at the local church. And so it's just a good reminder of the kind of love we're supposed to have for the brethren and for, um, and also for unbelievers that we continue on long suffering, patience, endurance, perseverance, um, because that's how we're supposed to look at life as we serve in the church with our gifts, right? We're to use them without fear. We're to use them with um, power and the spirit with love. And with, you know, and now we're going to get to the last one, which is um, discipline, power and love and discipline. So what is discipline? I always like to jump back <laughs> in love. Uh, so let's, back, let's jump back to love because I have yep. some thoughts on it. Um, yep. And just keep looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you're struggling with love towards people, just ask yourself, is this how God treats me? Right. He would never lack in forgiveness. So pe people are big on like boundaries and stuff like that. And, and like, I don't want to get wounded and, and hurt. And it's like, does God put boundaries on you? Even though you're going to sin against him, you're going to defile his name. And I understand there are situations we need to have boundaries, but let's just take the conflict and, mm -hmm. um, and, and offenses that, because that's generally what fills the local church is, is those difficult situations that um, somebody is offending you and right. you need to love them. And always just remember your difficulty with somebody who has offended you. I can guarantee you, you're walking around offending people and you have no idea. Right. You're doing <laughs> so just remember how you right. feel about that person who's difficult to love. You're not great. You are that person to somebody or several people within your local church and you don't even know it. <laughs> and so you want them to teach you with, to treat you with the same love that you have to treat other people and just realize everyone's at a different place in their sanctification and they need to grow. And you are the tool in which God is bringing about that person's sanctification. And we have to learn conflict resolution. We have to talk about what's happening. We have to love. So always just ask yourself, would Christ 
treat me the way I'm treating this person or the way I'm being tempted to treat this person. Um, right. So I don't know if you have another comment on that before we move to. Well, the, the only thing I wanted to say too, is that, you know, genuine, sincere faith is a genuine, sincere love. And so we don't want to have a surfacey love. We do want to get into each other's life. We don't want to have a facade, you know, Paul and Timothy had a very real spiritual, deep bond of affection and love towards each other. And that takes effort. It takes effort to be in someone's life um, and to love them in the hard times and to forgive them and to be able to overlook their fault. But that's what Christ did for us. I mean, he washed us clean, right? Of our sin, as far as east and from the west, he washed us clean. And he never, ever recounts it. And so we need to remember that we should have that kind of love. And it can be so easy to forget in the midst of when someone offends you or hurts you. And so remembering that the love of Christ is what, is why he went to, he went to the cross because he loved us. And that's how big and deep and fulfilled his love was. He did not, um, he did not hesitate to sacrifice his life for us. It was a willing submission, obedient to the father. He laid down his life. He was a sacrificial lamb. And we don't see love as sacrificial. We don't see it as agape. And we should at the church, especially because that's the family of God. And so Timothy and Paul are just an example of what spiritual, genuine, sincere, affectionate agape love looks like. So, yeah. And then, um, so just to be, to be, to not be a surfacey friend. And I talk, I'll talk about that in the, in the conference as well, but what does that look like? How we have an agape love. And so the last one is discipline. So what do you have for discipline? Yeah. Discipline, um, is, is, a the root word there, I believe is, let me see. It has sophron in it. Um, yeah, so sorf, I, I can't say the Greek word. It's only used here in this text, but it has the root word of um, sophron, which is like a sound mind, yes. uh, self-control, self-discipline. Um, and you need self-discipline to conquer fear because generally your fear is bred in the mind. And mm -hmm. so if you have self-control over your mind, um, you are going to be able to conquer those fears that are impeding your, your living and serving. Um, so take, for example, like um, I was fearful going to church because of all of the RCMP um, mm -hmm. there. And we didn't know what was going to happen. Well, I've got to go through my mind because I'm going, what if this happens? What if this happens? And go, Aaron, grab a hold of your thoughts. And like, what, what if this does happen? Well, God is sovereign. What if they do arrest you? Well, then you're going to jail and you'll probably have a jail ministry there. What if you do, what if you get harmed? Well, the Lord is going to give me the grace to, to get through whatever I need to get through. So it's, there's a, a self-control that needs to happen with the mind, but um, the root word sophron there is also in the Titus two um, qualifications and what the older woman is to teach the younger woman in being self-controlled and, uh, and what is supposed to be a quality of the older woman as well. She is not to be, um, she's not to be drunk on wine and, and she is to be self-controlled. So, um, this is a quality that we have in serving so that we, um, have that sound mind and a disciplined mind to be able to carry out the tasks that God has given us to serve his body.
Yeah. And, you know, talk about Titus too, where you said, you know, that, that there, we won't be malicious gossips. We won't be gossips. You know, when we love the brethren, when we love the body of Christ, when we love the women in our church, then we want to honor them. We want to encourage them. We want to build them up in their giftings. We have to have um, love to be able to do that. And we have to have a sound mind to be able to understand that we need to be sensible and wise. We want to be um, having a sound mind in the decisions that we make because we're called to be um, sensible. We're called to be, and a sensible woman is a wise woman. And we know that in wisdom, we are called to exercise wisdom. We're called to be wise in the decisions and the choices and how we live our lives and how we serve at the church. We need to make good choices and good choices are always going to be able to build up the other person. We can overlook a sin. We can choose to make a wise choice and to do that. And so I think we have to use wisdom and we have to have a sound mind and a sound mind is one that acts soberly. It's self-controlled. It's self-disciplined. It's not rash to believe anything. It doesn't rush to think wrong. We're not to think wrong about others, right? We're supposed to build them up. We're supposed to to believe them and think love, think on lovely things. And so I think we have to remember that when we are using our gifts, when we were, since that's what it's in the context of, Paul is reminding Timothy, you've got to be sensible. You're going to have a lot of afflictions, a lot of the sufferings, a lot of things that are coming at you from the church. And you've got to be able to have a sound mind and make a wise decision in the choices that you make. And so I'm sure he was afraid. Like you said, he was timid, um, knowing what he's fixing to face of the church. And Paul tells him, it doesn't matter. Like you have power of a sound mind. You have the power of love and of discipline. And so use that with the power of the spirit's given you. And so I think that's really an encouragement to all of us to remember that we don't have a spirit of fear, but of power of love and discipline the same. Yeah. Yeah. Walk, it's a fruit of the spirit. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Yes. And, uh, and it's just something that's so evident when we're walking with the spirit. It's what keeps us going when um, things are really hard and you, everything's out of control. You don't have to be out of control. No. You know, God is sovereign, sovereign, and you know, he's given you um, the power of um, love and discipline. And so we need to remember that. So, well, that is second Timothy one, six and seven, unless you have anything else. And if not, um, do you want to close us in prayer? And then we will see everyone in a month. Right. Yeah. And remember to, to reach out to us. If you need anything, you can watch this on AGTV or you can listen on uh on any podcast network. So Aaron, do you want to close us in prayer? Yeah, it's, uh, um, first of all, I just want to make note there. If you're doing the lessons with us, there is a, in the dig deeper, it says, uh, to listen to Susan Hecht's session five mm -hmm. truths for, um, which, which must be remembered when you're using your spiritual gifts, which she actually spoke. Was it the first conference or was it last year? I think it was the first conference. The first conference. Okay. So Susan spoke at that, the first open hearts conference, and then really to just encourage you. Um, it's so important for you to be a part of a local church and faithfully serving that church and being a member of that church, being yes. accountable to the local body. Uh, and, and they're accountable to you too. It is beautiful. Um, and I realize there are women in situations who, you know, your husband's not there yet. 
um, you're not a, at a sound church and, and, and maybe you're at a place where he's not ready to leave that church, just be faithful in serving your family, faithful and, um, in, in serving that church and, and pray for your husband to have his eyes open to truth, uh, encourage him in the truth, pray for him, love him. Um, but women who are not in situations like that, and you're just choosing not to be a local part of a local church, you are being sinful. If you're not using your spiritual gift, uh, if you're not a part of a local body that you're accountable to, uh, that's properly practicing church discipline, that's preaching the word that where you can receive and, um, come up under all of the means of grace that God has put in place for your life. Um, so yeah, just to see you be a part of a faithful local church is the only way that you can really live out uh, these mandates and, and using your spiritual gifts. Yeah. All right. Thank you. So let me pray. Okay. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit who has given to us everything we need for life and godliness. He illuminates your word for us. Um, he makes it come alive. The word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It really, when we open up your word, we hear your voice um, through the word that is written for us. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is instructive. It is everything that we need. And it is, set, it is so supernatural when we go to this book and we read the words that have been written for us. And when the spirit illuminates them to our heart and causes change in our life, what a marvelous act that is happening. And we want to be faithful with your word so that we are faithful in service and faithful in building up the body of Christ specifically in the roles that you have given us in the Titus two ministry. Um, if we are, if we are single in the workforce, if we're in the workforce, if we are at home, if we are moms, if we are wives, whatever sphere you have given us, we want to be faithful with this passage in um, not having a spirit of fear, but in carrying out our spiritual gifts with um, power and love and of a sound mind. And so I pray for the women that are listening to this, that they would be faithful in that task and that Lord, they would be used as a mighty tool within your body to serve in whatever giftedness you have given them. And Lord, that they would love the gift that you have given them to serve your bride, your most precious um, prize that you won by your own blood, um, that they would be faithful with that so that Christ is glorified here on this earth and that your body is brought to full maturity. Thank you for this time. Please help us with our hearts, change us, make us more like Christ as we um, await the next time that we come together and help us to be faithful. Lord, we love you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks. Love you, open hearts, gal. See you next time. Bye. Bye.